So last week, we focused on this idea of go, that we are to go. It means we have been sent by Jesus. We have been apostled by the great apostle. So an apostle is a sent one. You are an apostolic people because you have been sent by Jesus. It says elsewhere in the scripture, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So in the same way that Jesus was sent by the Father from heaven to earth to fulfill a particular purpose, you have been sent by Jesus in that same way, not to focus all on just enjoying the reality of heaven, but to actually take the reality of heaven out into the world. Amen? All right. Has anyone felt a shift from last week? Did everyone feel like they had, I just had a different perspective coming into my week? Anyone? One, oh, one, there we go. Thank you. Oh, no, two, three. Okay, we've got a few. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you missed last week, I really encourage you to, uh, to read it. Watch it. Listen to it. Do all of those things. Um, you may feel like, I feel like, Brad, I've, I've heard you preach on this before. Uh, I've heard you preach on this many, many, many times. And uh, the, the reality is I have. Um, and, uh, and I, if you're getting sick and tired of hearing, I'll, I'll do a deal with you. Once everyone is doing it, I'll stop saying it. Deal? Deal? Awesome. Cool. Then we, we got it done. Obedience is the key here. And, uh, but it is something, you know, even the significance, when you look at the Gospels, the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, so apart from John, slightly different ending, they all end with this same commission. I mean, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, there is no Matthew 29. There is no Matthew chapter 28, verse 21. This is literally the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples. You know, in the same way, it's like when someone's on, on their deathbed about to pass away and you want that kind of last poignant moment in their life, the most important things that they could say. And this is clearly then, I would assume, the most important thing that Jesus left his disciples with. Hey, don't just go, don't just sit around enjoying this. Don't just wait around to one day when I return You've got, a, you've got a purpose and a plan for you to actually go out and live that. So I think it's really important that we pay attention to this. And not just that we know it, but that we go and walk it out. When we hear a command of Jesus and we don't obey it, then we are in disobedience is the reality. So we don't want to walk in disobedience. Amen? We want to be obedient to him, and this is what it is all about. So we are talking about the word that's this word make or making disciples. So he says, go, and then as you go, make disciples. So what is a disciple? We don't really have that kind of language in modern day, apart from within the church. But it's similar if you were to think of like an apprenticeship. So I did my apprenticeship as an electrician. Uh, when I, so I left school. I didn't finish high school. Uh, I kind of left early to go and do an apprenticeship. And as part of that, there was a, there was a theoretical component, but there was a high level of practical component. It was very much getting your hands kind of dirty in the mix of it and then learning in that process and then having people around you that would help you to learn. And ultimately, the plan is after four years that I would become an electrician, uh, which I did. I, got, I was qualified in that way. So for us, it's probably a, it's a quite a similar thing to think about. So being a disciple of Jesus is like being an apprentice of Jesus, except it's probably slightly longer than a four-year apprenticeship. Uh, it's a lifelong one. Uh, and again, it's, it's less about the theory. Um, it's actually about becoming like him. So disciples understood what it was to be called. Not everyone got the opportunity to be a disciple. In Jesus' day, it was actually like the, the most elite people got invited to become a disciple of a rabbi. So the rabbi was the teacher and he would have a, a group of disciples around him. 
So the disciples that Jesus chose were very much not top of the class. They had already, they would have already kind of gone through rabbinical school as a child, and they would have realized we're just not cut out for this. Uh, no one's going to choose us to be a disciple of theirs, so we're just going to go in and work as you know, fishermen, tax collectors, whatever it was that they were doing. So then Jesus comes along and he, he picks out these people who, not top of the class, kind of just about doing, in some ways, doing jobs like a tax collector that were despised by the culture around them. And he says, hey, I want you to be my disciple. So they had an understanding of what discipleship was, but surely they had no expectation that they would become a disciple. This is really encouraging to me. I'm not a highly educated person. I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't even have a heritage of faith growing up. And Jesus called me at 16 to be his disciple. He called me at 16. It took about three years for me to respond. I'm a little slow of hearing, maybe. Um, but I, but I, I mean, I gave enough of a yes to kind of stay involved in, in the life of the church and, and helping out and serving. And I mean, serving is a really great thing. We don't, we don't push like serving in the church context as being like the thing that we're not trying to use every people everyone to, to kind of do stuff. The reality is stuff needs to get done and we invite you to be part of that. I know for me, it was really significant in my journey that I chose to step in. It was probably three or four months after I became a Christian that someone invited me to help out with the youth ministry, uh, which is, uh, wasn't smart, I don't think, on their end for who I was. Uh, I, was I was not refined what in, in any way, shape or form, but I'm so thankful that they did. Because it was actually through that journey, it forced me to be in, in relationships where I was learning and growing from people. It, it caused me to be in, in a form of accountability. It created ownership of kind of what God was doing uh, wider than myself. And it taught me the nature of Jesus, which is a servant. Um, and so I just encourage you, if you're not involved in some way, just find some way to get involved because it, it, it's really helpful for belonging as well and connection and, and building relationship. That's a side note free before you. So a disciple is one who seeks to become like the one that they are following. So the disciples of Jesus desire to become like Jesus. They look at his life, they look at what he does, they look at what he says, and they model their entire life upon him. So this is why, again, when we talk about the gospel that we proclaim, the good news of the kingdom of God, it's really important because if people say yes to Jesus based simply upon what he has to offer them, then they don't naturally become disciples of Jesus. The invitation that we must make for people is to become followers of Jesus, not just receivers of salvation. Oftentimes, that's the approach that we take. Hey, you're really bad. Um, Jesus is going to punish you unless you pray this prayer. And if you do, then you'll go to heaven one day. It's like, cool. It's like, well... Uh, yeah, I acknowledge I do bad things. I don't want God to punish me. Yes, and I'd like to go to heaven one day. So sure, I'll, I'll pray a prayer. That's easy. Seems easy. It's a free gift from God. Why wouldn't I do that? Okay. And then people might naturally go about their lives thinking, "Cool. Well, I'm kind of good to go until I die." And they're you know, hedging my bets here. If the gospel we proclaim is that, you know what? You are separated from God, but Jesus has made a way for you to be restored into right relationship with him. And not just that you would be restored, but then you would be part of his restoration 
project on the earth to see all of creation restored. It's an invitation into a journey with God. It's an invitation to learning him and becoming like him. And that's that kind of natural process. Okay, cool. This isn't all about me then. This is all about Jesus. Really, really important that we invite people into the right thing. So again, what does it mean to make disciples? Making disciples means that it takes an intentional effort on our behalf. It's not accidental. Again, like the illustration I used last week, if I say, can you make me a cake? And then you sit around waiting for this cake to kind of magically appear before you. It's probably not going to happen. And it's not the same to say, oh, I'll go down the shops and I'll just buy a cake and kind of transplant that cake from somewhere else to this other place and say, here's your cake. But I didn't make that cake, did I? Did I? Oh, cool, just checking you right there. Yeah, yep, yeah. we're good. Oh, did he? Is this a trick question? No, it's not. <laughs> but oftentimes, and, and again, I'm okay for, for cakes. Let's just call them cakes to move from one bakery to another bakery. You know, for people to move from one church to another and to, to get into discipling relationships, that's okay. But that's a lot of kind of what happens in the church. It's a lot of people just moving from one place to another place. So one church kind of grows as another church is depleted. And again, I'm a, uh, this, that just happens. God calls us out to different places. It's not a big issue. But the issue is if we're not making disciples, then ultimately the church is declining, which it is in, the Western, in Western culture. The church is declining. There are certain churches that are getting bigger, but there's a whole lot of churches that are getting smaller. But we're not active in making disciples. It's, all, it's, it's more about taking disciples than making disciples. So we've got to be intentional. It's going to take effort on our behalf to, to seek people out, to look at the people that we're in relationship with and say, how can I see them move from not being a follower of Jesus to becoming a follower of Jesus? And I have a part to play. You have a part to play in that process. It's, it takes boldness. It takes intentionality. It takes strategy. It takes prayer. It takes conversation. It takes learning. It takes time. It will cost you to make disciples. And in my opinion, it's a worthwhile cost to see someone move from not knowing Jesus to being in love with Jesus and being transformed into his likeness, and then them going out and seeing other people know Jesus. If I think about people in my life that don't know him, I want them to know him. But I don't just want them to know him, you know, one day kind of receive this free gift and hopefully one day they'll go to heaven. I want them to experience the reality of God every day. I want them to walk in this journey with God, not just kind of having your ticket to heaven stuck in your back pocket that one day you'll redeem. Jesus invited us into his kingdom, which means it's a now reality. It's an experience that we get to live in today. So I've put a little slide up, which just kind of takes us through the different elements of this commission of, of Jesus. So it is that we must go, make disciples, immerse them in the reality of God, train them in the ways of Jesus, and then send them out again. That's the ultimate kind of process, this kind of circular thing that we want to see. And my heart, and I believe God's call upon every church, is to be a disciple-making people, that every single one of us would be equipped to make disciples. Amen? All right, so how are some ways, how can we move people from evangelism to disciple-making? 
How can we help someone from, move from being just a seeker of God to being a follower of Jesus? People are hungry for more. People are hungry to, to understand, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Who is God? And what does that mean to me? It, I think sometimes we assume that people just aren't interested in spiritual things. I think they absolutely are. And there are strategies from other religions. There are strategies from other uh, spiritual groups to influence people, to draw them into their belief system. And oftentimes, as the church, we're not doing that. We're not strategic. We're kind of going, oh, well, I'm hoping one day they'll become a Christian. Where Jesus is saying, don't hope, do. It's, it's not uh, the Grim Reaper's scythe on the wall. <laughs> it's representing the harvest and the scripture that is underneath that. Is the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray that the God of the harvest would send out workers into that harvest field. From God's perspective, his harvest is plentiful. There are many, many people that he is destined for eternal life. And what's the prayer that we should pray? Pray that the God of the harvest would send out workers into that harvest field. That's you and I. That's the calling of God upon each one of our lives. Now, you might feel like, well, I'm not an evangelist. You don't have to be an evangelist to make disciples. You just have to be obedient. You just have to trust God. You have to be willing to be led by him in whatever way he does that. You might feel like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not like an out there person. You might be the best person. I, I, I mean, I would say you probably are the best person to connect with the people that God has put in your life. So don't let your personality be an excuse. Our personality doesn't excuse us from obedience to God. You can't say, well, I can't obey you, Jesus, because I'm an introvert. I can't obey you, Jesus, because I'm an extrovert. I can't, it's like, he's, that's, that's just not going to fly with God. So how, what are some kind of practical ways? It's about inviting someone onto a journey of discovery. So it might be if you think of your work colleagues or maybe your neighbours, sometimes just having those kind of prompting questions that can spark the conversation. Because maybe you have something in, in common that's like sport or, or other things like that. You talk about the weather and the conversation doesn't necessarily go on to spiritual things. And maybe you think, well, they don't want to talk about Jesus. It's not about you getting them to talk about what you want to talk about. It actually starts with you just discovering what's their perspective on life. What's their perspective on the world? What's their perspective on the, the, the kind of on spirituality? So you can ask them questions like this. Ask them, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? What a basic kind of question that you could ask someone. And then listen and learn and take interest in their story. That, is that an offensive question to ask someone? No. Is it an open-ended question that will spark conversation? Yeah. It's not, hey, do you believe in Jesus? It's like, hey, what, what, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And am I saying, no, not really. It's like, do you, like, do you think about what happens when you die? Or do you think about, you know, that, this unseen stuff? Have you ever had an, any experience? Oh, yeah, one time when I was a kid, this kind of thing happened, but I didn't think too much more about it. And, but just draw from them in their story. And the chances are they'll have some sort of spiritual perspective. I, I guess, you know, when I look around, I think, oh, there must be, a, there must be some sort of creator. It's like, cool, what? Well, do you, do you want to do a journey of discovery to find out, well, who is this? Who might this creator be? Jesus answers four of the major questions that people ask. 
which is origin, destiny, meaning, and morality. Jesus answers the question, the Bible answers the question of where do we come from in our origin? It answers the question of where, are we, where do we go when we die? It answers the question of why do we exist? What is the meaning of life? And it answers the question around what is right or wrong? Is there good and evil? Is there right or wrong? The Bible answers all of those questions, but they are oftentimes unrealized questions that people have in their hearts, and we can take them on that journey. It might be that you just ask, hey, can I share my story of, of, of my connection with God, my relationships? This is what we call our testimony, which again, a testimony is powerful because it's your perspective of, of engagement with God. You're not trying to convince someone that your story is right. Your story is your story, and it's irrefutable. Someone can't say, well, that's not what you thought, <laughs> or that's not what you experienced, but there's power in that because it's real and you're sharing actually your real interaction with God. Another way to help someone shift from being a, a seeker to a follower, look for opportunities to display the power of God. I've seen the power of God awaken people's mind and hearts to Jesus uh, in, in ways that I haven't seen other things happen. Like it's, I've seen miracles happen and then people are naturally curious about what the heck just happened. So look for those opportunities that you can pray for someone. If someone's unwell, hey, can I, can I pray for you? Someone's got a broken limb, hey, can I pray for you? I understand this might be scary. And again, the outcome of that prayer isn't your responsibility. The intention of, the, of your prayer is to love. So if you love and you reach out, hey, can I, can I pray for you? Oh, your daughter's sick. Hey, can, I, can we pray right now? Can I pray for your, for your daughter right now? And you might be thinking, what if the daughter doesn't get better? What if the, the broken bone doesn't get healed? What if you know, that their, their deafness doesn't change? It's, it's not your problem. That's, God will do the miracle. Your job is to be obedient to the prayer and to love. And I think when we love Again, I've had plenty of experiences where I've prayed for people and they've gone away feeling love. Wow, you would care enough to even ask and you'd care enough to pray and you'd care enough to do that. And oftentimes they're probably not even thinking necessarily about the outcome of the prayer. It's like, wow, you would take your time to do that for me. So they walk away feeling loved and they have an experience of the presence of God, which is the love of God, because God is love just through that prayer. Uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about how he came to the Corinthian church and they were very fleshly minded. And so he, he says to them, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Too often in our evangelism, we try to convince people in their mind of the truths that we believe. The Apostle Paul says, if you're dealing with people who are fleshly minded, like they're not thinking about the spiritual realm and all that sort of stuff, they're not wrestling with which religion is true. Maybe if you could keep that up for me, Nige. They're not, they're not concerned about that. So then it's, it's really important. We can come in with a demonstration of the Spirit of God and the power of God that their faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, not in our ability to articulate what we know, but in the reality of the presence and the power of God. This is the Apostle Paul. When you read your Bible, this guy wrote a large section of the New Testament. 
you would assume he has some sort of ability to articulate himself well. Okay? What does he say? I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. My speech were not in plausible words of wisdom. Okay. Has anyone ever felt like that's kind of what my evangelism is going to look like? It says, go and, go and evangelize, go and share the gospel. Cool. As long as you're prepared, Jesus, that I'm going to do it with, in weakness, fear, much trembling, and not with plausible words of wisdom. You're qualified. You might come in, you can come in boldness and, and, and courage and, and strength and no concern and just beautiful articulation. We'll take you as well. Okay? You're also acceptable to go and proclaim the gospel. Okay, but Paul, I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. He's saying, I was, I was petrified. I didn't do a good job. I, like, I was stumbling over my words. I, what, what I was saying, is that, where's that book? I mean, there's a verse about that, I'm sure. And, you know, and just, but what did he do? He focused in on, and I'm going to show you the reality of God. And that's what changed this church. That's what led them to become followers of Jesus. It's because he demonstrated the power of God. So we need to look at that and say, oh, well, now you're talking about I've got to demonstrate the power of God. How am I going to do that? Again, the power of God isn't necessarily like spectacular signs and wonders. The Apostle Paul doesn't even say what it was. It doesn't have to be healing. It could be peace. Love. It could be like someone, you're just having a conversation with someone, say, yeah, I'm just really struggling to sleep at night. I'm not, not getting much sleep. Hey, would you mind if I, if I prayed for you, that God would give you a good night's sleep? Yeah, sure. Can we pray now? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right, well, thank you, Father, and you, and you pray for them. When you pray for somebody that doesn't know Jesus, it is a beautiful moment to proclaim the gospel to them. So we thank you, Father God, that you are good and you're so kind, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you, you care about John's sleep. And we thank you, God, that the Bible says that you are a God of peace and that you release your peace into our lives. So, God, I just pray that, that John would experience your peace as he goes to sleep tonight, that he would have deep rest and he would, he would sleep all the way through. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've just declared the nature of God, the intention of God, the reality of God, and I've left it in God's hand that they might go away. And you know what? They have a good night's sleep. Boom, miracle just happened. How simple is that? And again, if they don't have a good night's sleep, it's, it's even lost nothing. They're not going to come back and say, oh, no, can't believe in God because you prayed. They, they won't even be thinking that. They'll like, say, hey, thanks for praying. That, it, I wouldn't even think that someone would care about how well I'm sleeping. So, hey, but it matters to you, so it matters to God. This, it's a great question, you could say. If God could do a miracle in your life today, what would it be? And then when they tell you, say, hey, can I pray for that? It could be, hey, my washing machine broke. Hey, can, we just, can I pray that God would give you a new washing machine? Sure, let's pray. And you pray. Easy, open, chance. And have the expectation and continue to pray afterwards, God, would you bring that provision? Can you imagine if a washing machine led someone to become a disciple of Jesus? It's happened. It happens. 
So again, we're not saying, okay, I need a, a pillar of fire to, to, to appear upon their head, and that's what, you know, some sort of crazy sign or wonder or, you know, an angel to come and knock them over. It, it, simple, basic things. It could be provision in their life. It, whatever it is, whatever is meaningful to them, and then when what, what they'll see is God comes into what is meaningful to me. He enters into that place, which is the incarnation of Jesus. He came into our world. He came into our brokenness. He came into this space when we didn't know him. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't even know that we needed a savior, Jesus stepped in. When people didn't, I didn't even know that I could cry out to God to give me a good night's sleep. But someone entered in, showed me that that's, God even cares about me to that level. And it's going to awaken something in their heart. It's going to awaken and stir a pursuit of him. And again, then you've got to be bold, follow up with them. Hey, how was your sleep last night? That oh, was amazing. It's awesome. I told you, God is good. God loves you so much and he cares about. He knows the number of hairs on your head. That's how much he loves you. Okay, and then look for those opportunities. Hey, if you would be interested in learning more about him, I'd love to just take you on a journey of discovery of, of who he is because he's real. He's shown himself to be real to you, but you can get to know him. He doesn't have to be this distant, far-off God. And again, most of the time, people have a perspective of God that's wrong. So oftentimes, it's not even that people are a blank slate. They've got this idea of God, and we get to come in and present the beautiful opposite of what they've believed about him. Sometimes it's, it's good when it comes up, if we're talking about Jesus, the significance of him, we look at the fact that what year are we in? We're in 2023. We are 2,023 years from the birth of Jesus. If you are significant enough in history that literally the, the Western calendars are based upon when you were born, there was this change in the historical record of time, to me, that would say that's somebody that's worth investigating. That's somebody that's worth looking into. Um, I know someone who, again, didn't grow up in a, in a Christian family, and they got to adulthood, and, and they just kind of decided one day, and they're a really smart, kind of highly educated person, and they just decided, look, this Jesus person, he's a significant person in history. I think he, he, I owe it to actually just go and investigate. And that way I can decide... He wasn't real. It was nonsense. And I can put that aside and kind of move on with my life. Naturally, is what happens when people, especially even highly educated people, delve into a study of Jesus, they become Christians um, because they discover that he is, he is real and he is true. And that's, again, that intellectual kind of process, but then they come to meet him. So, again, it's, it's something to say you have to at least accept or reject Jesus. Don't go through your life just going, ah, I'm not even going to think about it. Hey, I'd encourage you, discover enough about Jesus that you can reject him as false. But the chances are they'll accept him as truth. Amen? So we have to invite people to become disciples, to become learners of the way. Without an invitation, there's no commitment to the journey. And again, a person doesn't have to commit to believing everything. That's, the point isn't getting all of your belief systems right. The belief is going on a journey and discovering who he is. And through that process, you'll discover that what you believe isn't right. 
or that the truth that Jesus shares is true. So again, it, to, to become a disciple, you don't have to, you don't have to be a, a person doesn't have to be a Christian to become a disciple. They don't have to be filled with the Spirit or born again to be a disciple. The disciples weren't. It is just true. We want people to transition. We want people to be born again, absolutely. But in that journey, you can invite someone and say, hey, come and let's just follow Jesus together. Let's just go and learn about him and discover him, learn what it means to follow him. And then through that process, they'll inevitably come to faith in him. And the Holy Spirit will come and fill them. That, that salvation process will happen. So again, don't just be looking for people who say yes to Jesus. They might just say yes to discovering more of him. Then they be- begin on that discipleship journey. So to, to make disciples requires our action. It requires intention on our behalf. We have to think about it. We have to plan for it. We have to make space for it. We have to be prepared for it. Do you have space in your life right now to make disciples? If the answer is no, you need to remove something from your life. Because again, Jesus isn't going to accept the excuse, I was just too busy to obey you. So then when you're busy doing things other than what he's told you to do, which is kind of a waste of time, you might say. Is that too harsh? Feels just like this is kind of what he's saying, obey me. I think we've, again, we've maybe created Jesus in our own image where we've kind of considered him, ah, but he's, he, he's not really that serious. <laughs> he's the God of all creation. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The same fiery, just, holy, and righteous God. The fact that we haven't been destroyed by him is because of his grace and his mercy. It doesn't change who he is. He is a God that we should fear. He's a God that we should love and we receive his love. But we understand he's not just our buddy and our friend. He is the commander of his army. And when he says jump, we say how high. When he says go, we say, yes, Lord. For some of us, we might need to change our posture when it comes to God because we're mocking his lordship when we ignore the commands that he gives to us. Not in the notes, freebie for you. So making requires participation. We're not to wait for disciples, we're to make disciples. This means people won't become disciples unless we invite them to be disciples. So where are all the disciples? I don't know. Who, where are we making disciples? What are we doing? Salvation is a miracle by God's initiation. Discipleship is a journey by our invitation. And we need, the two of them need to go together. We can't make someone a Christian, but we can make someone a disciple. Otherwise, that scripture is just not accurate and true. And for us, we want to see this become just a normal culture where we talk about that. Somebody becomes a Christian, even someone comes in, hey, who's discipling you? No one. What's discipleship? Hey, let me tell you about it. Hey, I'd be open to discipling you. doesn't mean I'm over you and I'm going to tell you all the things that you need to say. Hey, you and I, we're going to walk on a journey of discovery of who Jesus is. That's all it is. It's just partnering with people. Because again, we're making disciples of Jesus, not of ourselves, but we want to be reflecting Christ and modeling him because it's always easier to have a tangible expression of Jesus through us than it is to kind of be this concept and this idea. And that's where we get to teach people, show them how to do the things that Jesus commands.
All right, so the question is, awesome, Brad, I'm, I'm going, I'm living sent, I'm going to go and invite people on this journey. What happens if they say yes? Uh-oh, I didn't think that through. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be a disciple of Jesus. <gasps> Do we feel equipped to disciple someone? Maybe that's the barrier for you. Oh, I don't want to, because what if they say yes? It's like, cool, well, then get prepared. Yeah, are we committed to following Jesus ourselves? That's a really good start. <laughs> get that sorted out. But we need to prepare ourselves to disciple others. If you don't feel comfortable, you won't pursue it, and you'll be hesitant to disciple others. But now's the time to equip yourself for the harvest. If we're praying, God, that my, that my neighbours would come to know you, Lord, that my friends or my family members or my co-workers, I have a desire that they would know you, Jesus. It's like, awesome, but if... I bring them and draw them to me. Are you going to care for them? Are you going to love them well? Are you going to help them to be a disciple of mine? Or are you going to get them across the line and then just leave them to fend for themselves? Leave them as orphans because I don't want that. I do wonder, again, maybe we're not seeing the harvest because the harvest workers aren't prepared. Then maybe it's actually God's mercy that is holding salvation back from people because his church isn't prepared to do what he's commanded them to do, to see those people not just cross the line into salvation, but to come into maturity and to become disciple makers themselves. The reason the world isn't, that Christianity isn't increasing in the world is because we're not making disciples. It's that simple. I don't see anywhere in scripture where God says, I'm just, I've kind of had enough. I got my quota. The rest of you can go to hell. He says, no, my desire is that all would come to salvation, that all would come to the knowledge of me. That's God's desire. That's his heart. So surely he is active, he is moving, he's already at work in the people that you know and love. He's already at work in their lives. All we need is the eyes to see and the willingness to enter in and invite them onto that journey with him. And again, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. The focus of, of making disciples is not about getting them across the line in salvation, but getting them to desire Jesus. Painting a picture of Jesus that makes people want to know him and ultimately come to love him and desire to follow him. You know, for too long, as I said before, for too long evangelism has been about what people get out of it rather than who we get out of it. What's the reward of my actions rather than who is the reward of my actions? What's the benefit of following Jesus? Jesus is the benefit. He is the reward. We get to know him. We get to receive him. We get to experience him and live in his kingdom. We get to live under his dominion. That's a glorious reward that we get to receive. People will follow the one that they admire. All right, so we get to this point. Someone says, yes, what are some practical tools? There's a whole lot. These are just a few basic ones. But if someone's like, yeah, I'd love to, to follow, I'd love to learn about Jesus. Like, cool. Hey, can we make a time each week? Could be over a lunch break, could be a night time, could be an early morning, whatever it is. We could go for a walk. We could go to the gym together. Whatever it is, whatever suits your fancy, the location isn't as important as you're making a commitment to say, hey, let's just do even, we could do a month and see how it goes. And we're going to catch up and just talk about 
about Jesus? You could. Again, buy them a Bible and say, hey, we're just going to read through the book of Matthew, one chapter a week. And I want you just to take down notes and when we get together, we're just going to talk about Jesus. Who's this person that you're experiencing in, in the Gospels that are all about Jesus? Real simple. Buy them a Bible. Write a prayer in the front. You're gifting them. You're, you're starting them on that committed journey. And again, they might get through a month and go, you know, life's busy. I can't catch up. And they drift off. They've still got the Bible there that they might come back to one day. Uh, journey through a Bible study. So we've discovered uh, this Bible study. I've got the, the link up there called Safar. This is an online Bible study. It's real simple. They use it in Iran where they're just seeing the church multiply significantly. It's a really basic um, Bible study, but it's all kind of internet, like web-based. So on your phone and you jump on there, you put in your name and then you put in the name of the person that you're discipling. And you could have multiples of that. And so then it will track if you say, so you sign in, you say, today I'm discipling John, then it'll bring up where you last finished with John when you were discipling John. Okay? Uh, or in, so you could have multiple people that you're doing it. But again, it's just real basic foundations, kind of laying things down, discovering God. There's a whole lot of real basic, simple Bible study stuff that you can use. Um, there's ones called Discovering God. Christianity Explained. Alpha is another one. You could just search up where's the, the next Alpha course that's happening in the air and say, hey, would you, I'd love to go along with you to Alpha. At whatever church it's at, just get along there. Again, basics that you can journey someone through, journey with them in that process. Alpha is online now. Awesome. Online. It's online. So you can, hey, yeah, let's catch up. Tuesday night, come over, get some snacks, and we'll sit down and watch the online Alpha course. Resources are there. And again, it's, it's about making a commitment for a length of time. Don't just, it's not going to happen in one conversation. But to do a journey means, hey, we're going to walk together through this. And again, and you'll be praying for them, and they're going to be having their own experience of God. They're going to be having their own ideas. It's almost like you're just putting Jesus before them all of a sudden, when maybe Jesus is not being kind of before their eyes not in their thoughts. He was helping them to be thinking about Jesus now. Think about, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if Christianity is true. I wonder what that's all about. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. This is so important in discipleship. It's not just about sharing truths with someone. It's about sharing your life with them. It is what Jesus did, and I think it's the best way to disciple people, but understanding we don't live in a, in a culture where someone can just quit their job and come and spend you know, 24 hours a day living with you, following you around and doing all that sort of stuff. That's what the disciples did. They left their old life behind and they came and followed Jesus. Okay? So we're in a more complex world. doesn't mean it's not going to work, but we've got to be prepared to share your life with someone. Invite them in to that journey that you're, that you're journeying on with Jesus yourself. I want to point out, I did say last week, I made a comment um, and a couple of people had questions about it, where I had said um, not to invite people along here. I don't remember exactly what I said. The, the point of saying, it's not, I'm not, if someone wants to come along on a Sunday with you, awesome. Praise God. Don't stop them. <laughs> the, the point is, that's probably not going to be the normal thing. And if that's the only kind of uh, tool in your tool belt, i just got to get them along on a Sunday. Um, it's, it's, you, you, you're probably going to find it's not going to work. 
okay? Just because of the, where our culture is at and people. And again, you're talking about what happens here on a Sunday, radically different culture than what happens out, out in a person's normal Sunday morning kind of world. Okay? And, then, and again, we want a place where we're trying to equip you to send you out. So the, the point of that is just that you'll be more effective to live as a sent one making disciples out there than you will bringing them here and expecting somebody else to do that job, which is also a cop-out because it's your job. Uh, and if you're not equipped, we can equip you. All the resources and tools are there. I've just given you a whole stack. So go away, study so far yourself, get used to it. Do the Alpha course yourself if you haven't done it. Start reading the Gospels yourself. Start discovering Jesus and who he is. Okay, And again, you don't have to have theological precision. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth who will lead people into all truth. Okay, You can have plenty of, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. Oh, what's it mean here in this scripture? And what's that talking about? I don't actually, I don't actually know. I've never, I've never studied that myself. But let me go away and, and I'll, I'll do some study. And I'll, yeah, ask Brad. Um, and Brad said, I don't know. Um, ask someone else. Awesome. All right, so all of this is a work of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in mind, again, we're, we're taking on this responsibility to do our part with the expectation that God is already doing his part. John 6, no one can come to the Father. Sorry, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The Father is drawing people to Jesus. He's already wooing their hearts. He's already stirring stuff in their lives. And again, for us, sometimes we're just tracked with people and we can see, you know what, it feels like this person's just not, they're not in that place yet. I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to be their friend. I'm just going to be kind and generous and gracious. I'm going to pray for them. But just trust, hey, God will, God will bring them close when he's, when he's ready. But man, this other friend, they're just like, they're always asking me questions about things and they're always, they're just hungry for the spiritual. And I, and I see them always talking about spiritual things and okay, Father, are you drawing them closer? I'm, I'm going to engage with them differently. The invitation is going to be different there. So the Father draws people, but how do we know if the Father is drawing people to Jesus? We extend the invitation. It's like the father, I want them at my birthday party. The father desires them to, but he's given us the invitation to go out and say, hey, the father wants you at the birthday party. You know, the father's drawing you. So, so it's kind of like, should I prophesy if I'm not 100% sure that the prophecy is correct? Yes. Should I pray for healing if I'm not 100% sure that the person's going to get healed? Yes. You do, you be obedient, and God will do his part of the, of the journey. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. It's a supernatural journey, not an intellectual one. Salvation is a radical, supernatural thing. It's not about you convincing someone. It's about God revealing himself to a person. Amen? All right, we're going to pray. I'm going to invite the team up because I really want us to sing Agnes Day. It's powerful and awesome. Um, but yeah, why don't, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand with me? We're just going to pray. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just want to start even as we talk about an invitation, Lord. I just want to open up that invitation even for 
maybe you're here today and you feel like, I'm not a disciple. I'm not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're invited by a friend or a family member and, and it could be the first time you're hearing some of these things. But I just want you to know that God loves you. He's passionate in His love towards you. And He desires that you would know Him. He desires that you would experience Him. He desires that you would not just receive eternal life one day, but you would receive Him today. So I just want to pray for you that you would encounter the living God today. But if maybe you feel like, and again, this is not, you're not signing your whole life over. You say, I want to begin on that journey of following Jesus. I feel like something's happening in me. Even right now, I can feel something stirring in me. And I want you to know that's God stirring in you. He's drawing you to Himself. But I'd love to pray for you to begin that journey with Him, to experience Him. But I just wonder if you'd put up your hand for me, just so I can see, just so I know who I'm praying for. You can be bold. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we pray for those who raise their hands. Lord, we also pray for those who maybe felt a bit too scared to put their hand up. But why don't you just pray, Jesus, I desire to follow you. Jesus, I desire to become your disciple, to learn you, to discover you, to be transformed by you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would fill me up now. I receive you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would come now and you would encounter them right where they sit, right where they stand, Lord, right in the place that they are in the, in the journey of their life, Lord. We thank you, God, that you call us, not when we're perfect, Lord, you call us wherever we are, Lord. You invite us to follow you. You call us into that journey and you pour out your Spirit, Lord. So we thank you, Father, even as they've from their mouths, committed themselves to following You. We just thank You, Father, that You will keep them on that journey. Thank You, Lord. I just want to encourage all of you, just even now, just to think of one person that this week you could make a commitment to pursue. It could be a neighbour, it could be a friend, it could be a family member, a work colleague, the person that you always see at the coffee shop. But you would make a commitment to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out this week, Lord. I'm going to grab coffee with them or grab lunch with them or make sure that I have enough time to, to spark a conversation at the coffee shop with them. I'm going to ask them some of those questions maybe about their spirituality. I'm going to ask them, hey, is there anything I can pray? I'm going to do something today to make disciples. I'm going to do something this week to make disciples. 
I'm going to even become more of the disciple of you, Jesus, because I'm being obedient to the call to make disciples. I'm going to share my story with someone. But Father, I just pray for each one of us, Lord. I pray for open doors and open hearts, Lord just for open connection in relationship. Father, I pray that we would have boldness to share, even though we might feel like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, Lord, that we would do it anyway. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show up and you would show off, God, that you would show your goodness, you would show your presence, Lord. Father, we pray that you would send us out into the harvest field, Lord. There are people today, they're waiting for salvation, Lord. They are ripe for salvation, God. They're longing for someone in their hearts. They're longing that someone would reach out and answer some of the questions that I have in my heart. Meet the longings. I need a miracle. If only someone would pray for me that I might receive that encounter, God. So we thank You, Lord, that we are Your hands and feet and You have prepared us, Lord, We have everything that we need because we have you, Holy Spirit. But we choose, Lord, to be disciple makers, Lord. That you would use us in whatever way you see fit, Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. I mean, let's sing. If your buzzers go off, parents, and you've got to grab your kids, you can grab them and bring them back in. We're just going to sing this one last song together.
Father, and you have tasked us to be the invitation carriers, Lord. You have tasked your people to, to bring that revelation of your goodness and your love and your holiness, Lord. So Father, we say, yes, Lord, we will take on the call of making disciples. We will take on the call of be living as sent ones, Lord, that others might know you in the way that we know you, Lord. Father, we pray just for a stirring in our spirit, a conviction in our heart, Lord, that would play out in a determination of our mind, Lord, and a commitment with our hands and our feet and our voices, Lord, to live as sent ones making disciples. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Hey, if you, if you raise your hand to make a commitment to be a disciple of Jesus, I'd love for you to come and just let me know. And we want to connect you with someone that can disciple you. Or maybe you already know someone. And I please go to them and say, hey, would you commit to discipling me? And then talk together about what that means. Say, cool, yeah, we could do that. Let's catch up once a week or twice a week or every day, whatever works. But make that commitment with someone. Amen.